Empowering Your Parenting with Faith, the founder of Mama Bear Apologetics on the podcast today. I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie. It's February. And if you're listening as this comes out, I'm on the mend with a broken arm. I've been forced to slow down, which really isn't a bad thing, but somewhat frustrating for me as a person who likes to stay busy. You know, last week's podcast was all about nurturing our relationships and the importance of that every single day. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to do so. It's a short episode. And this week, I have a guest who I have followed for a really long time. I have learned so much from. You know, my foundation is really three pillars, health, family, and faith. And Hillary Morgan Ferrer believes in those as well. She's the driving force behind Mama Bear Apologetics, an organization that fully encompasses nurturing and protecting the next generation. We're going to talk today about being a parent and how we need to prepare and know how to help our kids in a world that isn't so forgiving and not always safe. We're also going to explore how preparation is the key to empowerment, why finding stillness amidst our busy lives is critical for our well-being and the spiritual battles shaping our nation. Join us as we delve into what it truly means to live out our faith instead of merely wearing the label of Christianity. As I get started today, will you do me the favor of sharing this with someone you love and maybe someone who could use a dose of inspiration. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss a single episode of the podcast. And by the way, I'm on YouTube. So if you want to watch this episode, just head over to YouTube, type in Natalie Tisdall, and you'll find me there. Sit back or get on that walk and let's get started today with Hillary Morgan Ferrer. Hillary, I've been looking forward to this conversation because your podcast is one that when I listen, I want to take notes. And if I'm driving, I have to pull over because there are so many things that I learn from what you all are doing. So thank you yeah. for Mama Bear Apologetics and, and giving us uh, a way to understand and words to use. And you guys, you're, you're both wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So today I wanted to talk about um, preparing for the future. Um, what's coming next? You talked about this on one of your podcasts. And then kind of this underlying issue that I find working with teenagers, having teenagers of fear. Yes. Yeah. So this is one of those things that like, um, I've had a prayer board in my office for a really long time where I just write down stuff. This is like kind of the direction I feel these are specific things I want to pray for. And then what are some specific things I want to be praying for over the mama bear community and over us as a ministry? What do we need to be doing? And the, the phrase that I kind of kept getting for literally the last several years is preparing moms for what's coming, but yet without inspiring fear, hmm. because there's a way that we can kind of be the, the, was the chicken little sky is falling sort of yeah. um, rhetoric where it's like, people don't know what to do. It's like, why we've just said, Oh, everything's going to get so horrible. And all it does is inspire fear mm -hmm. and fear is not from the Lord. And in fact, there, there's been several times when I have seen something coming when I'm like, okay, I'm expecting that. 
And I almost feel like a little, like I stand up a little bit straighter and, you know, I kind of get my, you know, just almost my ideological and my spiritual just fighting gloves on mm-hmm. and I'm kind of ready for it. And I'm realized that's not a, that's not a fear response. That is the kind of response that I think that we have with the power of the Holy Spirit. So basically it's like, how do we have women be able to see some of the negative things that are coming that would normally be terrifying? But say, nope, we're going to prepare for that. I think preparation is like one of those ways that you can dispel fear. And I'll, I'll give an example from this. My, uh, the second book that we did, the sexuality book, I had sworn I was never going to do a sexuality book. I'd even said, you know, Mama Bear, we're not going to even touch that topic. We've got so many other things mm-hmm. that we can do. And honestly, it was fear because of it was so complicated that I couldn't, it was, I, I say it was like someone putting a pile of noodles in front of me and being like, will you organize this? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah. And, um, and I also saw the vitriol. Like I remember we came out with a statement of faith that said that, um, that we believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God and that it um, was uh, inerrant in all it said and all it commanded. And it's supposed to have authority over our lives. And immediately we got a barrage from this other group that had like told all their members to start coming and giving us one star reviews saying how bigoted and hateful we were um, against the homosexual community. And all, and so I finally we, we kind of answered some of them. I was like, I'm so sorry that, you know, ha- have we done something? Can you please tell me what we've done that has uh, communicated this? Uh, knowing that we hadn't done anything, but you know, I'll, I'll always be willing for someone to point out something that I did that I wasn't aware of. And the only answer that they could give me was that statement of faith of saying that we believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God that is authoritative for our life. So I knew that anything within the realm of sexuality was going to come against me so hard if we spoke out. Um, and, And yet at the same time, the Lord called us to write that book. And so I went from fear to empowerment through writing that book. And the reason why is because I started to understand what was going on. I started to prepare for the questions. I started to prepare for, um, like, like in my mind, uh, I, knowledge to me is power. Understanding how someone works, something works is power. Everything else, if it's just blindsiding me and I don't know what to do, like that, that's what causes fear. Uh, and so that's kind of what we try to pass on with Mama Bear Apologetics is how can we prepare people for this to where they feel empowered to address it when it comes without fear, but at the same time, without hiding our heads in the sand and just saying like, everything's going to be as everything's always been. Cause I have a feeling that that's not going to be the case. I've been kind of dreading 2024 since 2020 <laughs> uh, saying, I'm not sure if our country can handle another election. Um, uh, just the, all the stuff that goes on. And I don't want to even want to, I don't want to reduce this even to politics. I want to say that there is a spiritual battle for our nation that is going on around these just to divide people. And I'm not even saying one side's right and one side's wrong. I'm just saying that there's a spiritual battle to divide us, to cause hatred, to cause, um, enmity. Uh, and none of, none of it is directed at the, the source of evil. It's all directed at each other and these perceived differences. And, um, and we saw this happen during COVID as well, where, um, I was listening to a podcast recently, uh, by uh, a friend of mine said it to me. I don't normally listen to him, but John Eldridge, I think he does the wild at heart podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so a friend of mine sent this to me. I think it's the most recent one, like from January 17th. And he was just really talking about a lot of the spiritual stuff going on. I thought, I felt that. I felt all the mm-hmm. stuff that he's talking about. Um, and so just preparing us for that 
spiritual aspect as well. How do we prepare moms for just this? Uh, it's a spiritual onslaught that manifests itself in the physical realm. But how do we do that without causing fear? Yeah. You know, working um, at a high school now, and, and I told you my background, most of my listeners know, being in the media world for so long, I felt that. Yeah. I felt the spiritual warfare. And I didn't at the time identify it as that, mm -hmm. but I most definitely felt the fear. Yeah. You know, the fear, the, the, the waking up in the middle of the night. I used to put my family into the situations that I reported on. Ooh. I used to have a continual uh, nightmare of my child getting run over mm. because I did a story on, and these yeah. this, talk about fear and, and, you know, during the Sandy Hook shootings mm. I and mean, some of those things, I, I had terrible nightmares of my children being the ones being stuffed into cabinets. Like that, that fear is, boy, you talk about spiritual warfare and yeah. like putting the fear of things that most likely aren't going to happen. And yet these <laughs> things are happening in our world. Yeah. But you know, we, I, I like to say that we, um, we become what we fill our minds with. Yeah. And I certainly became more of that because my mind for five hours a day on live TV, I was filling my mind with mm. negativity yeah. in, instead of the positive things and, and, um, and the Bible. The rest of us could just turn it off. You had to actually be the one talking and speaking and studying and doing all that. And mm -hmm. that can be really, that can be difficult, especially, uh, you know, I, I know from our perspective as sometimes the, some of the darker things that we're getting into that I will feel it physically. It, it will mm -hmm. literally just level me out to where I, I can barely stay awake and I can't do stuff. It, it's like certain topics will do this to me or I'll get sick. Um, and so it's like, but it's all for the purpose of helping other people, but uh, like, we can't get away from it because that's what we're studying to help and, you know, equip the moms for you couldn't get away with it or from it because that was your job. Yeah. And so what do you do when you can't get away from all this stuff? We have to find a, a way to have a respite to still our mind. And this is, I'm going to talk about a bunch about this John Eldridge podcast, just because I just watched it the other day. Top of he, mind for you. That's okay. It is. It's yeah. on the top of my mind. One of the things that I was like, that is amazing. I need to find something twice a day mm. at their headquarters. They have like this monk type music that goes off that everybody, no matter what they're doing, they stop, they kneel and they just give whatever they're working to the, to the Lord, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the deadlines, all the everything mm, they what stop. A great habit. I know. And he does it on the podcast. I was like, I'm totally going to be downloading some like, oh, yeah. you know, Gregorian chants that, that I can put on a timer, you know, for my phone that'll go off, you know, twice a day. I was like, what a great idea. It's like, are we building in these little pieces of respite to rid ourselves of all the ick that we're taking yeah. in? Yeah. Well, and, and that goes to um, something else that I know you all talk about, and I love the quote, you'll have to give it to me, on how busyness is not of God. Yes, yes. This is something, I can't remember who first said it to me, but it's like, I've, I've repeated it ever since. <laughs> if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And uh, I yeah. have seen that. So I'll, I'm going to get a little personal here, um, that uh, when I was in college, especially, I really struggled with depression. And it was because of some circumstances that I'd been put in. Um, we'll just say some unhealthy circumstances that I had been put in that I had to get myself out of in terms of um, what I thought what my career was going to be uh, and the people that were in that major, we'll say, um, or the people that were overseeing it. And I, I just had to get out of that. But what I did to really make myself just not think about the depression is I just stayed busy constantly mm -hmm. because the second that I would stop, that depression would descend 
mm-hmm. upon me. So it's like, I, it was like almost an escape. And so we're not always just trying to escape depression or escape anxiety. I think sometimes we are escaping, um, kind of what the Lord's saying, like you were saying how during COVID you all of a sudden realized the Lord wanted you to change careers. And, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how, you know, in parts of the world that had been just complete smog for so long during that pe- uh, period in COVID, when everything shut down, all of a sudden the sky was clear. And so maybe it was that stillness that allowed us to finally hear from the Lord. Like you said, like that stillness is what allowed us to say, Oh yeah, yeah this isn't normal. No, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Or it's like, in my case, I needed, I had stuff that I needed to deal with and just putting more activities on top of it. I mean, it would push it away for a little bit, but it didn't solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so often we think we're going to hear God's voice in a big, loud way. Yes. And when you talk about that stillness, you know, in First Kings, it is the story is Elijah, where it is, I'm going to hear yeah. through the earthquake, the fire, the wind. And then it's like, no, when you finally can be quiet, you will hear yeah. the st- in the stillness, yep. that still small voice. Yep. And, and sometimes he does speak loudly and we love it when he does, but a lot of times he doesn't. And so he is waiting for us. It's like trying to talk to someone who's just so busy and you're like, I'm just going to wait till you sit down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and you can be calm. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about that fear and preparing for what's coming, what I think a lot of people listening, they think, well, what is coming? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know what's happening, um, of course, in Israel. We know what the Bible says. We know prophecy, you know, all these. And then we think, well, is that tomorrow or is that in a hundred years still? We don't mm-hmm. really know. But is that what, what you're talking about when you prepare for what's coming? Not as much. I think if we were to have a very just outward focus, a uh, very earthly focus, we're going to be looking at what is going on. So we're going to say the symptoms versus the root. And so a lot of times the symptoms are going to be people are going to put all their fear on this one candidate getting elected mm. or all their fear on this other candidate get elected and looking at policies and what's going on and what's this going to do to our country. And I would say that that is really a secondary issue that distracts us um, from the fact that we have just this spirit of division that's coming in mm. and yeah. understanding where, where is the battle actually coming from is the thing that we need to be able to stop and look at. I, I had an experience like this uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was someone who I'm, you know, not super close with, but we're, we're good enough acquaintances that we talk regularly, um, whose theology started changing on something. And I was getting more and more frustrated thinking this person's going totally progressive and all this stuff to the point of was, I, I was like, I don't even want to, I don't want to deal with it anymore. And the Lord had to make me stop and remind me this is another, like she, she has proved faithful that she loves the Lord. This is another child of God. She may be off on this. And I just really had to pray about that. In that stillness, I realized that I was taking maybe that spiritual battle that maybe she's falling for some, some bad spiritual stuff right now. But my anger was against her and not against the ideology. Hmm. And that allowed me to step back and then start treating her again with, yeah, let's talk about this more. Yeah, let's, let's discuss this. And it just reminded me, um, Man, how the enemy loves to divide us. Yes. How important do you think it is? You just brought up a topic that when that happens or when you see a friend or even a family member who you're going through something like that with um, to confront it or just pray about it. That's a good question. I think it really depends on the relationship you have and their ability to 
uh, how receptive they are. To, I think we need to, to address it head on and just have discussions about it as much as we can and be pointing back to scripture. Um, but there are times when this is really a spiritual battle or it's, um, yeah, it, it's really, it, it really depends on the situation. I think in this situation, it's something that she's been studying for 10 years. I don't see her coming back around. And so there is a lot of prayer that needs to be happening. Are you looking for ways to stay energized, healthy, and help your family stay healthy? I've started taking supplements from Seeking Health, and it has changed the game for me. I no longer worry that my family is getting enough of the vitamins we need, and I know the quality of what we're taking is top-notch. I take an immunity support supplement, magnesium, and several others, including electrolytes to stay hydrated. So many people ask me about these supplements that I've made it really easy for you to find right on my website, natalietisdall.com slash favorites. Also bonus, I have a coupon code to help you save 10% on your order. You will find that coupon code on the website as well. Go to natalietisdall.com slash favorites, click on seeking health. I may earn a small commission if you purchase there, but that's just to help my small business grow the website and the podcast to keep this news and good interviews coming your way. Again, natalietisdall.com slash favorites and click on seeking health. Um. And I'm also just paying attention to seeing what other parts of her theology change. So, yeah, uh, I think one of the things uh, that I think being prepared for is the fact that we're seeing evangelical Christians being all lumped together when Barn is showing that like only like four to eight percent of them actually have a Christian worldview. And so what we're going to be seeing is every single possible name being put onto um, Christianity. And I have an analogy, actually, I can use. I have this super big epiphany. Um, watching Lord of the Rings this weekend, uh, that I could talk about of like, uh, what does it look like to be a Christian in this time? And kind of, um, that, that ring of power, I was like, you know what? I think that ring of power is the name of Jesus in the sense that it's not the person of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Everybody wants to have Jesus's stamp of approval on whatever it is that they're doing. Um, the progressive Christianity, they want to say, well, Jesus, you know, would agree with us, you know, be affirming and the, you know, with all, all the sexualities and with all the politics and with all the things and everybody, the hyper fundamentalists, the ones that basically want women to be subservient, the, um, it's like everybody is all fighting over the name of Jesus. If you look at even all the world religions, every single world religion has a place for Jesus. And I think that um, certain people on one side of the political aisle see the other side using the name of Jesus to justify all their mm -hmm. agendas. And we see the other side of the political aisle using Jesus to justify all their agendas. So it's like this ring that we're all battling over. And the Christian has this burden of actually carrying the name of Jesus, knowing mm -hmm. that everybody's fighting over that. And we can also be tempted to use that name of Jesus for our own power, which is not a legitimate use because yeah. this ring of power is not Jesus himself. It's just that perceived moral authority that comes with it. And so like part of our job is to bear that fight over that name, knowing that we can't get away from the name mm. of Jesus. And yeah. part of our job is to basically take it and try to destroy it um, because that. Uh, I don't know, because our, our call is to have a relationship with Jesus, not just to, to bear his name. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like this is on a tangent a little bit, but yeah. when you say that, um, 
you know, so many people use that name or even their jewelry or cross or things. Mm -hmm. And then you think just because you're, you have that symbol, are you living that life? Yeah. And are you putting that first? I like to say, are you putting the, the faith lens on in all of your decisions yeah. before anything that you do and before the words that you speak? And, and Barna would say, no, that like literally, I can't remember. It was either four, six or eight. I can't remember what percentage of people who claim to be evangelical Christians are actually have a, a have an evangelical like worldview. Hmm. So we, uh, what, what we're seeing happen is that this kind of massive machine of evangelicalism is kind of showing itself for the, um, hypocrisy, shall we say that it is, but everybody's getting lumped into that. And so what do we do as Christians when we're getting lumped into things that we don't agree with? And yet uh, we're being faulted for everything there. Uh, So that's that's one of the things that we are going to be having to deal with. That's one of the things our kids are going to be having to deal with. And our kids are going to be told that the only way to get out from underneath that burden and shame is to basically dump the label of Christian, dump the label of evangelical, or even dump the beliefs of evangelicalism. Because it's really not the beliefs. That's the thing, is a Mm. lot of the people who are falling into this category are ones that don't really believe that, you know, mm. we've got that, you know, four to, four to 8% of people who actually truly believe those beliefs. And so, um, yeah, being, being prepared to be hated for the actions of others, really. I guess I, I think of it this way, and then let, let, let's wrap up with this, of maybe you said being preparing to be hated, and I look at it as being prepared to to be an example, mm-hmm. you know, to sure, you, th- th- of course, that there are people out there that are louder yeah. and, um, and criticize so much greater or in, in, in multitude. Yeah. But how can we live by example mm-hmm. and, um, live with love? Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, it's like kind of has the same solution that we just aren't living for other people's opinions. Mm. Um, at That's all. a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you do, if you do this whole Christianity thing, right, you're going to have a lot of people <laughs> in Christianity who think that you're a sellout. And then you're going to have a lot of people of the world who think that you're an intolerant bigot. So mm. you need to be okay with both sides hating you yeah. really knowing that, you know what, I'm going to be following because Christ had this radical love, but he also had, he also called us to radical obedience because of the radical love. Some groups are going to say, um, you, you are, you know, fraternizing with people that you shouldn't and you're misrepresenting the name of God. Mm-hmm. If we're doing our love correctly, we're not compromising any of our obedience or any of our doctrine. Um, so all they're going to see is us being kind and loving and accepting and all those things. And then we're going to be hated for that. But we also have that, have that radical obedience and that radical commitment to Christ's truth. And then of course, that's when the world hates us. And so, I think I've learned that I just don't listen to either group. And so whenever someone tries yeah. to put me into a group, I'm like, I don't fit there, but I don't fit there. Yeah, so like, I'm just true. like, whatever, I don't fit in yeah. anywhere, which the Lord has prepared me for my whole life because I've never fit in anywhere. Um, <laughs> and so I'm just kind of used to not fitting in. Now, the thing that our kids that are used to fitting in, this is going to be a lot harder for them. And and that's that's an important point because mm-hmm. as adults, we can say, it's fine. If you don't like me, I don't care. Yeah. But we know uh, working with teenagers, I most certainly know that they live with blinders and what all they think about is what do people think of me? 
Yeah. And what are people saying about me yeah. and what's on social media about me? And so I worry about that for our kids that to have that kind of confidence is totally different for a young person versus what it is for us. Yeah. I remember my youth pastor telling me my senior year, sometimes, you know, you're on the right track by who you make mad. Like, it's <laughs> like you want to, the, the person we're always aiming to please is Christ. But sometimes like, it's knowing, you know, that if you're on the right track, if you make the right people mad, the wrong mm -hmm. people mad, they might be seeing something that, yeah, that that's a legitimate thing that I, I've, I've crossed the line somewhere. But the people, there's certain people who are maybe the more legalistic and kind of hypocritical and don't actually live their faith. If I make them mad, hey, maybe I'm on the right track. Or the people who are more compromised and who are wanting to live as part of the world, make them mad. Well, that's kind of be expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I love the freedom that to me gave me the freedom to just really not care what all the other things, mm -hmm. all the other, the other people said, but just really what did Christ model? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mama Bear Apologetics, you all have a podcast, um, you have a website, tell people a little bit more about it. And, and if you could give us, I didn't ask you off the top, but you know, why you've started it, what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, why I started it <laughs> several years back, it, it kind of started with a, a friend of mine who mentioned that there was an entire demographic of women who wouldn't read something unless it was by women for women. Hmm. And being always, always being a daddy's girl and always being comfortable with being the only girl in the room that had never even occurred to me. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, like I went immediately from who's who's preparing the women to more than that, who's preparing the moms? Like the hmm. moms are that first. It, it's like kids always go to moms first with yeah. questions, no matter what they are up until like maybe they're 16. You know, the kid that needs to open the jar of pickles will bypass dad sitting on the couch watching TV and go into the bathroom where mom's trying to shave her legs and ask her to open the jar of pickles. And it's like, did you not see your father sitting on the couch? Um, all the questions mom knows best. And so mom is the one that we need to be um, equipping the most if they're getting the questions first. And so I originally thought that the Lord had called me to commission someone to do this um, because my husband and I, just for health reasons, um, I can't have kids and I can't adopt. Um, and so I'm not a mom, but uh, I thought nobody's going to listen to me. And that's the lie, basically, that the enemy held over <laughs> me for a really long time. Um, and I, I found that the Lord had called me to almost like my own kind of motherhood, which is mm -hmm. to help prepare the moms. So I, I've got something that moms don't have, I, uh, which is time to research. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, and that's kind of all I've got. So that that's where Mama Bear Apologetics started. What a beautiful story. I have a, a another friend um, who you remind me of her because similarly, she started um, a group for young athletes at my daughter's college because she wasn't able to have children. And now mm -hmm. she gets to be a mom to all of these oh, student so athletes. And she always says that I have so many kids and this mm -hmm. is what God's called me to do. So what a beautiful story that you're able to do that and you do it in such a great way. And uh, to all the dads out there, it doesn't mean you're not important in other ways. And the kids are going to come to you yeah. for certain things. The kids but... come to dad usually later on in the teens and usually involving like economic and political stuff, which mom's yeah. usually like, I'm fine. Go to your father for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But at the same time, it kind of shows us how dads need to be also presenting themselves. Maybe they come to mom all the time because mom's not always the one talking about this. Like, how can we make dad really the spiritual leader of the house? Him mm. being the one to say, we are going to prioritize family time around the table and reading our Bible together. And like, yeah. there's lots of ways. Um, and uh, what was it? The Families in Faith. I can't remember what the name of the author is. Found that retention of faith across generations is actually more tied to having a warm, loving relationship with the father than it is yeah. the mother. So we cannot deny the importance of the fathers. It's actually that that faith uh, transmission actually hinges more on dad than it does on mom, even though mom's the one getting the questions first. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I remember hearing a statistic. I wish I could remember the exact, you might know it, mm -hmm. that families that go to church with dad and children end up staying in the church. So, mm -hmm. And that's not to say mom shouldn't, but my mom took me to church, but dad yeah. didn't go. And my mom made sure that my sister and I were always in church. But yep. families where dad goes to church, those kids end up staying in church more often. Mm -hmm. Especially if dad has a warm relationship with the kids. That was a specific thing, just that yeah. safe relationship. Because men got to realize that the kids can view God the way that they view dad. So if yeah. dad is super angry and judgmental and always critical and wanting you to do the best and pushing you even when you're tired, God's going to seem like that. But if dad is that safe, warm, loving place that pushes you to do your best, but is there for you when you fall, that's, you know, strong enough to just be the man, but tender enough to comfort, that's how they're going to see God. And so we cannot leave dads out of the picture. I think they're vastly important. But when it comes to apologetics, so like when it comes to Christianity, a lot of times you get the dad, you get the family, but I would say difference when it comes to apologetics, you get the mom, you get the family because mm. normally dads would be interested in this on their own. Um, just cause it's, it's, it's more of an analytical kind of, you know, kind of, they, they like the idea of debating and stuff like that. Um, and so mom may not get into it and there's like not childcare at all the apologetic conferences. So she's like, you go and have fun. Um, you get the mom, all of a sudden dad says, well, wait, that sounds super interesting. Now mm -hmm. he wants to get involved. Now mom and dad are talking about this together in front yeah. of the kids. Now the kids are yeah. interested in what they're talking about. So you get mom, you get the whole family with apologetics. Yeah. And it's empowering to young women lying on all those around me. I, yeah. young women, of course, and young men. Mm -hmm. What a great conversation, Hillary. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We will link up all of your um, links to the website and podcast and your social media so that folks can click on and follow you and all that you're doing. Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.